Hello and welcome to this week's Farmland. As of today, a great deal of the country's farmland remains flooded. We get insights on this from a senior farming figure. Here's what's coming up. Claire McCormack speaks to Pat McCormack of the ICMSA. Siobhan Walsh finds out how to carry out a plant count. And we look ahead to the first Chagas Greenacre Cafta Beef Farm Walk of the Year. We begin this week's programme with Pat McCormack of the ICMSA. Claire McCormack spoke to him to find out about the toll of flooding on rural Ireland. Pat, over the last month we've seen four times the level of rainfall we would usually see in some parts of the country. You've flooded farmyards, farmhouses, farmland, completely waterlogged. Can you tell me about the, the mental strain and the financial toll this has taken on the ground? Well, firstly, Claire, I suppose the financial toll will be in the months ahead, uh, where they calculate the amount of damage that was done. Uh, from a repair point of view as well as the loss of earnings. But certainly the mental toll is very obvious, you know, we attended a farm, a Limerick farmer, the Heinz family farm, there last week and it was very obvious uh, the mental toll, you know, animals are in, they're in right across the country, that, that's shared, but you know, they have a significant portion of their farm under five and six feet of water. When will they get back out to that land? When will that land be productive? Uh, that's a huge question mark for the, the Heinz family and indeed many other families, farm families right around the country. So it's certainly creating a lot of, lot of hardship, a lot of anxiety out there and a lot of frustration that more could have been done to avoid this down through the years. Because you have slurry storage becoming a real problem now on farms. As you said, farmers can't get stock out um, and the yards are completely submerged too. So how are farmers getting around this at the moment and what are you advising your members? Look, some of them are going to dry parts of ground to spread a small bit of slurry to keep, keep the, the system at bay and to keep the system up and running. Uh, others are fortunate enough where they're able to, to lease tanks or, or have tanks on other, in other yards uh, where they're able to transport slurry. But, you know, I suppose we're encouraging our members to talk and to be proactive and, and, and to not to feel totally isolated because that's the critical issue right across the country. There are a significant amount of farm families in the same situation and it's how we deal with that. Obviously, in the long term, farmers are going to have to look at the amount of capacity they have on farm, but that's not the solution at this point in time. Equally, I suppose the, the, the vibe or the comment that's always passed by farm fam, farmers and farm families is, you know, the calendar farming. We had an ideal uh, second half of December, early January uh, for slurry spreading. Uh, it was the closed period and now we are in the, the heartland of the open period and you, couldn't, you could do nothing on land only float. So does this then raise questions about seasonal farming and uh, <coughs> or season, calendar farming and maybe reviewing that? It certainly has to raise uh, serious question marks over the sustainability of calendar farming. Um, you know, they talk about environment, uh, our climate change uh, and that's obviously a continual evolution or a continued discussion certainly but you know equally calendar farming it's, it's not sustainable we believe it wasn't sustainable when it was introduced and it's certainly uh, 2020 is proven ironic as well you know we're five six weeks into the slurry spreading period right across the country and the slurry tanks of Ireland are parked up uh, tankers uh, while the slurry pits of Ireland are filling up at a rapid pace. Um, Pat, just even back to the, the issue of the flooding and where, who has responsibility for this or where, can, where solutions can be found. 
Um, you know, there are 30 pinch points on the River Shannon. The government has identified eight of them which are being worked on at the moment. But is, you know, what about the rate, the pace on this in terms of actually, you know, sorting out this issue once and for all? Because it's historic at this point. Look, I suppose human welfare and human or financial welfare seem to be down the list of priorities and they need to be brought right back up that list of priorities. We need to have a single agency in charge of our river management. Uh, we believe that there are far too many agencies involved with various vested interests, it's fair to say, Claire. And that's, that proves challenging, you know. I mean, it was a weir, an energy source and weir that was left off that certainly flooded the, the part of a hand that I visited last week. Uh, upstream and when that came downstream at a rapid pace uh, it wasn't there wasn't capacity within the rivers and the riverbeds to take that we need to look at that capacity going forward and we need to be better placed but unfortunately for these families it's the second time in a short period of years uh, where they find themselves and their livelihoods put at jeopardy and what about financial aid or grants nothing like that is available to farmers at the moment from a river management point of view, um, probably no. Uh, obviously, you have the TAM scheme there for slurry storage investment, but you know nothing can preempt that if your farmyard is uh, suppressed with water. As there are right across the country, we have a number of members uh, who find themselves with slurry tanks filled out of the floods. And what about the ESB, Pat, in this um, in this situation? You know, they're in charge of the water levels on the River Shannon. In terms of their responsibility here and the action that they have taken to, to, to mitigate and alleviate this problem, are they doing enough? Well, you know, they obviously have an interest and that is to maximise the amount of energy that they can obtain from, from those weirs. Um, obviously, when flooding begins to build up, are they proactive enough in, in their vision of seeing a catastrophe coming? I would say probably not, clear. Um, you know, and that's where the single ma agency management of rivers uh, would bear fruit for the people along the, those riverbeds. Obviously, you know, you've not alone farm families, but you've rural dwellers uh, who find their homes uh, suppressed with water as well. And, you know, their lifetime of sentimental value, but of, of financial uh, prudency, putting various items in place, uh, see it float out the door uh, in wreck and ruin. We'll leave it there, Pat. Thanks very much for coming in to us. Turning now to tillage. In this how-to video, AgriLens technical journalist Siobhan Walsh describes how to conduct a plant count and why. For this week's how-to video on AgriLand, we're seeing how to carry out a plant count. So plant counts, I suppose, are seen as a bit of a hassle and I suppose people will be glad to know that there's plant count apps for your mobile devices coming down the line. So in a few years, they'll be a lot easier to do. But for now, I'm afraid we're going to just have to do them the old fashioned way and get down and count. So I suppose plant counts are ideal. I know it's raining today and it looks a bit miserable, but maybe when you're not doing other jobs on the farm, plant counts are a very valuable job to do. Um, so why do we do plant counts? Well, we do plant counts too um, for a number of reasons, but the main ones I suppose are to get our establishment rates. So soon after the crop sown, you go out and find out how much of the crop has established. Do them to maybe um, in wet years to decide whether the crop is viable or not. And then also for reasons like to check your seed drill, to check if it's flowing right. And while we're doing our plant count, we'll also see if there's disease on the crop, if there's pests attacking the crop, and we'll see if the crop is tillering. Um, and you know, if you can see if the crop has one tiller or three tillers, you'll decide on your nitrogen rate or your plant goat regulator rates following your plant count. 
So how do we do a plant count? Well, I suppose the most important thing is to get a representative sample from the field. So you're going to have an apparatus for doing your plant counts. In my case, I just have a measuring tape. You might have a quadrat or some people make up a circle with a piece of hydrodair pipe and they know the area of that pipe and they multiply it out to get their metre squared. Basically, when you're doing your plant count, you throw your apparatus into the field, you get um, a random area in the field and you're going to do that a number of times. So I'm not going to tell you how many times to do it. It's going to depend on the size of the field, the crop condition. Farmers know themselves how many times to do their plant counts in their field. But today I'm just using a measuring tape. So the first thing that we have to do is establish how many rows there are across a metre. So I'm just going to put the tape out to a metre. So there's a metre now. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, across the meter okay so we're going to do a plant count now along along one of the rows so I'm actually just going to do it to 50 centimeters so I'll count the plants along 50 centimeters and then the fifth I'll, I'll be able to multiply that by two and then I'll multiply it by eight to get the amount of plants in a meter squared so ideally if you're going to plant count along 50 centimeters you're going to do it more often than you would if you counted along a meter. Count the plants along that row. So I have one, two, three, four, five, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So I have 21 plants in half a meter. So I'm going to multiply that by two to get my meter. So that's 42. And then I have eight rows. So 42 by 8, I have 336 plants per metre squared um, in, the, in this section. So this is going to have to be repeated a number of times across the field. I suppose the ideal time to count plants is shortly after establishment. But at this time of the year when farmers might be, um, when crops are grown, farmers are maybe doing counts to see if the crop is viable, there's going to be some tillers. So you have to make sure that you're counting the plants and not the tillers. Because if you count the tillers, you're going to have a lot more plants per metre squared. But it's also very useful, so when you're going along counting your plants, to take note of the number of tillers. Because if you have a small number of tillers, you're going to treat your crop differently. So you might adjust your plant growth regulator rates um, or change your, change your plant growth regulator programme. You might decide to change your nitrogen rates. Your plant counts can help you to make decisions. So if, if you're seeing you know, that you have an even crop, um, if you're checking your tiller numbers, you can change your management decisions um, once you've done your plant count. So you might change your nitrogen rate, you might change your plant growth regulator application, but the important thing is to do the counts to have the information. So I suppose to summarise, your plant counts are, are really useful to get your establishment rates, um, to check your seed drill, and to make, they're essential to make your agronomic decisions. As we approach the first Chagas Green Acres Cafta Beef Programme Farm Walk of 2020, Agriland Beef Specialist Niall Claffey finds out what the farmer has done to date and what we can expect to see on the day. We're in Mytil, County Carlow this morning. I'm here with Shane Cranny. Shane is a participant in the Chagas Green Acres Cafta Beef Programme. Uh, Shane will host the farm walk here next Wednesday on the 11th of March, uh, starting at 12pm. I suppose just to start off, Shane, just tell us a little bit about the system you're on on the farm. Well, we're farming 31.5 hectares, um, we're rearing 70 Ahambar and calves, 
a mix of Frisian, Angus, Whiteheads, um, and a few sucklers as well. Um, everything is brought through to beef, kind of under two year old, mostly off grass. Shane, you made the switch to buying autumn-born cows in 2018. Why did you choose that system? It just suited us here more because um, we're kind of tight on, on shed space. So you're kind of getting the first winter out of the way as calves and then their winnings coming in the second winter and they don't come back in again, then they're kind of finished off grass. So I just suited, suited that way. So you've been in the, the Chagas Green Acres Cats and Beef Programme for a year now, you're going into your second year. What are the, the major changes I suppose you made over the first year? Well, bringing everything through to finish now has been the, the main thing. Kind of changing to, to autumn. Well, I'd already done that, but kind of getting that first batch through and everything is finished off grass now. That's the, the main difference rather than going, going to the marathon. Okay. And did you, you start grass measuring as well? Yeah, yeah, grass measuring now. We have one full year done, so that's been a big help too. Um, kind of for taking out paddocks for silage and that kind of thing that has been a big help. And I suppose, Shane, going forward, um, what's the plans for the future? We've planned plan mission back for, for a shed, so hopefully that'll be up by the end of this year. Um, we might push stock numbers a small bit further. Uh, it should have an extra bit of land coming on kind of for the second half of this year, so we might push up to maybe 100, rare than 100 calves and phase out the sucklers in a year or two. So that's kind of it, really. Thanks very much, Shane. So I'm joined now by Chagas Green Acres Calf to Beef Programme dedicated advisor uh, Sean Cummins. There's going to be four stops on the day, Sean. The first stop, what's it going to cover? So Niall, the first stop on the day is going to be spring grassland management. So we were just discussing it with Shane earlier there. We've seen that Oak Park, the mid station in Carlow, has experienced three and a half to four times the, the normal amount of rainfall. So we're just looking at how spring grassland management is coping on this farm so far and maybe what fertilizer is going out, where slurry has gone on the farm. Then we'll be looking at silage. So producing quality silage for calf to beef system is really, really critical, Niall. So you want to be aiming for 72, 74% DMD. So we're going to look at the steps there that are required to make that silage um, between closing dates, between harvest dates and what fertilizer is actually needed. Then Volak along with Chagas will be coming in and they'll be speaking about feeding the calf, um, how to mix the milk replacer properly, what you need in a quality milk replacer for your animal. And finally, MSD will be touching on animal health. So what vaccination programs are required and how to keep these calves healthy perform on your farm. So thanks very much, Sean. So the farm walk will take place on Shane's farm here just outside Myshill, County Carlow, uh, next Wednesday, March 11th, kicking off at 12pm sharp. We hope to see you there. That's all for this week. You can find all our latest news on the AgriLand app and agriland.ie. See you next week.